This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. Who are you calling? School? I'll just say we're in won't be in today. <laughs> no, really, who are you calling? Don't shit your pants. I'm only finding the school secretary, not fucking MI5. Oh, hello there. This is Mrs. Cooper, Simon's mother, year 12. Simon and his friend Winnie McKenzie have come down with food poisoning. Must have been from the chicken. You put on your mum's voice. Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Cooper. Now you say your son is ill. Yes. Oh, well, Mr. Gilbert. The head of six is just here. Um, I'll pass him over. Hold on one second. Oh, no, there's really no need. Look, if we hurry, we can still make it in time for English. Hello? Hello, this is Mrs. Cooper. Simon is filming. Winnie, we're in Thank you, goodbye. Mrs. Cooper? What exactly is wrong with Simon? Food poisoning. Okay, Simon. That's enough. I know you're bullshitting me. I think you better get into school. Cheers, all the best, God bless! I get in before you make things. Well, that was fucking dreadful. We're busy doing nothing, working the whole day through. Trying to find lots of things not to do We're busy going nowhere, isn't it just a crime? We'd like to be unhappy, but we never do have the time Hey yo, evening. How are we doing, everybody? I'm oh, not too bad, how are you, Sion? Yeah, yeah, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit confused at doing all this stuff yeah, it's a bit different. Bit different. Normally, you know, we're we're naked. First of all, when we when we talk to each other like this, that's just you know that's one difference to what we're doing today. I, I thought I bought your silence on that. <laughs> Mate, nothing can buy my silence on that. Nothing can buy my silence on that. And those pictures are going to be distributed soon. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Subscribe to my only dance, please. I need them. <laughs> only dance. As no. everybody has probably noticed, Mr. Max is still away on vegetable-related missions. I believe he is gherkin gathering in Ghana this week. However, standing in or sitting in, filling in the hot seat this week for us is Mr. Dan Griffin from the UTT podcast, the Doctor Who pod, uh, UTT Tank, and all sorts of other glorious, glorious content. And shock the system.
afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening or watching from. This is Chain Wrestling Live with Sai and Not Mags, Dan, as I mentioned, a Ray Jotekers production. I am Sai, and with me this week for the first time live on Chain Wrestling, because he has been on before, but a little while back, and it weren't live because somebody was on holiday, and there's you know, a lot of confusion, but he's been before, but this is the first time live. He is the shock to the system. To my shock to the cistern. It's been a heavy weekend. Bank holiday. Lots of drinking. Takeaways. Oh dear me. The NXT takeover. To my rarely sober. As again. Heavy weekend. A podcaster so northern. That he thinks if you pass Birmingham. You've basically then just got water and then France. Dan Griffin. My friend. How does it feel to be that side of the camera. Live on a chain wrestling. On a Monday night. As with most other things in my life. It's deeply confusing. But I'll just roll with it. Do my best. And hopefully something good will come out. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Ah, uh, yes. So, Chain Wrestling Live. As we can see already, there's somebody in the chat over an hour before we went live, mate. My somebody word. in the chat an hour before we went live, and it was just our good buddy Chris Bellis saying he might glo- he might join us, but he's currently uh, editing one of the shows he does with our good friend Scottish Danny. So hopefully we'll see him around later on, Chris. We have Morty in the chat as well. Get in there just before the wife look. It's Monday. You know what that means. You know, straight Marty. in there. Quick on the draw. Quick on the draw. Not the not the first time apparently that he's uh, that he's got there before a female. Oh dear, dear, dear. Well, so I've heard tales, you know, but obviously we can't you know, confirm or whatever. You know, so couldn't be, couldn't begin to speculate. All speculation. Sharon there as well, our glorious guest host from last week. Absolutely fantastic job she did too. Uh, it's Monday night. You know what that means. Indeed, indeed, indeed. We have here Scottish Danny, our good buddy there, saying, has he turned into the tuned into the Doctor Who podcast this week? <laughs> Hang on, that's that's not been live all these weeks, has it? I hope not, mate, because some of the stuff we do off camera... <laughs> they're laughing for three minutes at penis jokes for instance there is that there is that yeah yeah this week we had you know it's in the outtakes anyone who listens to the doctor who podcast make sure you do stick around to the end of the show because there's bits and bobs that you know me and dan sort of take out and stick to the end and so on this week we we had a we had a complete you know diversion away from topic and argued about cheese and pineapple for ages i I still maintain what was the point of eating the pineapple when you've got the cheese right there on the stick i'm not going to go into this again it's not. It's pointless. It's irrelevant. It, it, it's my bubbly chocolate. I will die on this pointless hill. I'll tell you what. Let's get through the chat, and then we'll throw it out there to the CWF, and then we'll do our hall of lame and so on, and we'll go back and see what they think. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm prepared to get slaughtered. <laughs> Sharon says hi, Dan. Hello, Sharon, my love. I hope I can full. I hope I can fill your boots from last week. You were fantastic. Well, you know, heels. You're quite good, isn't you? God, no, Chris, if I were here, he'll size me up strike oil. Uh, Morty says that he's got Mags hunting him down a moolie next week. I don't really know what that means. No, neither do I. Yes, yes, indeed. Okie doke. Uh, spoiler alert here, you know, even though we do try and steer clear of any sport that's going on, the wife is just letting me know Ronnie O'Sullivan won the world title. So there we go. Thanks for that, Sha. Oh, good. Uh, Fitch, the hairy housewife, he says, don't forget to mention Dan's biggest podcast appearance, Biscuit Vision. Indeed, got to go check that out. It's in, well, it's all over the place. There's so many people sharing that online. You know, I'm amazed it doesn't pop up on my timeline literally every hour. Um, That was an an absolute cluster. (laughs) But a fun one, mate, a fun one. Connor McCabe in the chat. Hello, Dan and Si. Hiya, Connor. Good evening, my friend. How are you doing? 
we've got people here already now. Sharon saying pineapple wins. Uh, Scottish Danny saying cheese and so on. Arguing about what we've just spoke about without actually knowing what the argument's about. People are already picking but, their sides. But Scottish Danny's right. The Council of Dan stands stands firm in support of cheese. Well, there we go. There we go. And Fitch, I'm not even going to don't even click on that next comment from Fitch. You can absolutely go fuck yourself, Fitch. The more you tell me to subscribe to you channel i'm not going to do it and as you there and i drop the f-bomb i want to wish my 12 year old daughter there hello charlie she says in the sh- <laughs> <laughs> brilliant timing uh, uh, trust me she hears worse at home normally from sharon towards me to be fair well you are a fucking delinquent as anybody I am, mate. listens to uh, the waiting room will know yeah apparently just because i like cream soda go figure go figure yes anyway so very quickly people in the CWF, in the chat, and people listening to the audio podcast version later in the week, if you want to get in contact on Twitter. Dan and I had a little discussion on the Doctor Who pod this week. It just kind of ran away with us, really. And it basically was, you, you know, when you have a party, I suppose it's a very 80s things. well, Dan, isn't it? Something that we remember from when we were kids. 80s, 90s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you had, like, the, the cocktail sticks with a little bit of cheese and a little bit of uh, pineapple on Dan said on the Doctor Who pod, he would eat the cheese and leave the pineapple. And I find that completely baffling because I I didn't have <laughs> I didn't have pineapple a lot when I was a kid. So when we had the cheese and pineapple, I was like, oh, so I'd have the pineapple and leave the cheese. So then we got into this massive argument about cheese versus pineapple and so on. And Dan even said about me, so it daft, like I would have pineapple on a pizza with no cheese, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, yes, Fitch in the chat, spot on. The pineapple hedgehog, exactly. That's exactly what we're referencing. Ultimately, we decided to leave it because, as I said on the uh, on the podcast, this isn't very Doctor Who-y. <laughs> so we go... <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't really seem to fit with what we were doing to be fair so we left it there but if people in the chat want to carry on this argument you know i mean i would eat both but you know is it weird that dan would eat the cheese and leave the pineapple it, i mean look at me is it weird that i left the pineapple in pursuit of more cheese well you know i imagine pineapple could be i mean obviously it's fruit but it's like got natural sugar in so that's not great if you eat too much of that either is it it's probably better for you than cheese, but I don't know. No, I'm not sure. Let's not start. Let's not start doing this again. No, no, let's not. Let's not. Let's not. Uh, Morty there in the chat as well, saying, "Whoa, I left the cheese." Yeah, only exactly. if I had, only if I had too much. I love cheese. I eat cheese all the time. Right, there is the, no shut up, sir. There, there is never too much cheese. There are four <laughs> stages of there are <laughs> there are four stages of eating cheese. Okay, eating cheese, still eating cheese, ate too much cheese, bit more cheese. Right, okay. The fast days of each is particularly at Christmas. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I get on board with that. But when I was younger, the pineapple was the thing. The cheese was like, well, I have cheese in my sandwiches at school every day. I'm not too fussed on that. So I'd just eat loads of pineapple and leave the cheese. You know? We're doing it again. We are. We are. And to be honest, yeah, we don't normally run past two hours maximum on this show. So we probably want to leave that alone. People in the CWF speak amongst yourselves on that one. We'll, we'll dip and dive in there as we go along. But yes, there we go. Oh, how's your week been then, Dan? What have you been up to, mate? Anything good? Bank holiday weekend and so on? Oh, my. Well, my bank holiday Monday consisted of a nine hour shift uh, because work is uh, work. Let's just go with that. I don't want to say anything that could get me in trouble. Um, okay. But 
I was in uh, I was at my mates in Grimsby over the weekend, and we went to a deathmatch tournament in Hull. So I got to go to some live wrestling. Fantastic. Saw some blood and guts. I've put a few clips on uh, on my Twitter there, and it was a wonderfully violent time. Fair enough, mate. Yeah. Fair enough. I've and never to be, seen to be fair, To be fair, wonderfully violent time could just describe Hull on a Saturday night, but you know, there we are. <laughs> um, I've never seen a deathmatch live. I mean, I've seen, like, you know, no DQs, and but my local company, as I said, it's, it's the one that I go to the most is kind of, it's a little bit, it's not that environment. It's more family friendly. So if they put on like a no DQ or something like that, uh, and they bring the bag out that you would assume would be glass or thumbtacks, they pour it out on the mat and it's bits of Lego, which gets a laugh from the parents because, you know, everyone knows what it's like to step on a Lego and, and all yeah. this sort of stuff. It's not as extreme as, as the stuff you're describing. So it's a little bit different, you know? Yeah, well, in this one, I've got a clip on my phone that I'm going to put online at some point. Uh, there's one already there where Alex Cologne and Lou Nixon just spend 38 seconds just breaking light tubes over each other's heads. Bloody hell. And then there's another one where a full solid minute of, of Alex Cologne, because it was a tournament, just breaking light tubes over every bit of Big Joe that he can find over his head, over his back, over his arms, over his legs. It was brutal. But then the, most hardcore, the most hardcore thing in the world today got to work thought, what's that noise? Why do I sound like a tap dancer? I had thumbtacks in my shoes and I didn't even notice. Brilliant. <laughs> That's class. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> a little no, memento. Was, you didn't realise you had. Not as good as not as good as the last time when I went home with glass in my beard. Okay. That's a bit concerning. Especially if like, you know, you're not in the match. But why would you be getting glass on you? That's a bit of a worry, isn't it? Because when those tubes pop, they go and just mm. go everywhere. There's the dust, dust gets in your throat, the glass gets in everywhere. It's it's brilliant. It does sound. It. I'm gonna have to next time I come up to York, maybe we're gonna have to try and do something like that. We'll we'll nip over to Leeds for uh, for a ride. Yeah. There's usually a, there's usually a death match or two on. Oh, Leeds, though, mate. Mm. It's not that bad. It's not that. Bad. I'll tell you something that is bad. I'll tell you something that is that bad, and that is what we throw in to the Hall of Lane every week. Disgusting, awful, shameful, cringeworthy wrestling gimmicks. So I think we should. Uh, Jump across to that now, Dan, and chuck a few more down there to never be seen again. The Hall if, if I may say so, si, the yes. segue on that. Well done, you're getting better. Um, mate, I'm nothing but professional. Or nothing, including professional, or I don't know. Slightly professional-ish. I'm not at all, mate. I'm, I'm not at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the Hall of Lame, where horrific, embarrassing gimmicks who uh, make us cringe, whether it's bad match types, bad wrestlers, bad gimmicks, bad storylines, anything at all, hopefully get thrown to be never seen again. What you got for us, Dan? I'm going with the... I'm going to Japan, actually, for this one. Japan? Okay. I'm going for the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, the reigning and defending IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Kazuchika Okada, in his TNA gimmick of Okato. Because this is a lesson in how to get a promising up-and-coming talent catastrophically wrong. Mm-hmm. So TNA pulled a bit of a coup. They got a, a young Okada on excursion. He was he was quite highly touted. Companies in Mexico wanted him. Companies they wanted him to tour Britain. You know, but TNA got him. Thought brilliant. And what do they do with him? They dress him up like the Green Hornet sidekick Kato, call him Okato or Okato, and 
put him in an absolute wet fart of a gimmick, trying to cash in of the popularity of the Green Hornet movie, a movie that had no frigging popularity to begin with. <laughs> if you, if, I know you won't have seen it because it's a superhero thing in, or a comic book movie. And you I'm really familiar with it, but yeah, I've not yeah. seen it, but I'm familiar with it, yeah. The movie was wank. The gimmick was wank. And this was a guy who's gone on to be one of the greatest of all times, and it's all time, and he's still in his early 30s. Mm. It's, his level of talent is insane. And they put a stupid, weird little mask on him, had him be a sidekick for, uh, I, think it, I think it was Samoa Joe. And it was so bad that it basically soured New Japan for years on sending them any talent. Yeah. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. Yeah. Especially when you look at how highly regarded Okada was, even at that point in his career, and they had other options for his excursion, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They had all the options. TNA talked their way into it. But as as was common for the time, TNA talked a big big game and just and just couldn't deliver. Mm, yeah, uh, Scottish Danny in the chat there con- confirms. Yep, Samoa Joe. And Scottish yeah. Danny's a, a complete TNA freak. He adores TNA. So, yeah, I know count on him. Yeah, not a good look. Not a good look. I mean, it's it is an incredibly TNA esque thing to do, isn't it? To try and capitalise on a movie's popularity that's not that popular. <laughs> yeah. That's just TNA all over. The, the, the try and be topical and just do it in the, I was going to say, sort of the most convoluted, but also least likely to be sued way. Mm. You know, they can't yeah. go for anything too mainstream because it'd be an easy target for the lawyers. So we'll go for this Green Hornet movie that doesn't seem to be getting a lot of attention. There's a reason it's not getting a lot of attention. Much like the gimmick you produced, it's shit. Yes, indeed. Oh, I'm glad that that didn't sort of trash his career full stop you know i'm glad that he sort of went on to do what because oh god is fantastic i could watch that guy wrestle all day he's amazing so oh i love him i've i've had the good fortune of seeing him live and just there's just an aura about the guy mm. even as far back in the, the venue as i was you know several step rows back and, and all that and it was he was just incredible yeah, oh, fantastic. Yeah, totally uh, totally on the money, mate. Exactly the sort of thing that deserves a spot in the Chain Wrestling Hall of Lame. 100% agree with you there. I'm going to go uh, a little further back in time. And have Would a it be the bit. 80s? No, ah, no, no. Ha-ha, there we go. No. <laughs> I'm going to go a little further back in time to the early 90s. So not far off the 80s, to be fair. <laughs> and I'm going to take a look at a character in an era of the WWF that was full of shite gimmicks for the shite wrestlers. Honestly, this is like, you know, pick and mix for the Hall of Lame in this era, sort of 93, 94 sort of time. And one of the first people I put in was Max Moon. That was the same sort of era we're talking about now. Uh, There was a guy named Norman the Lunatic who wrestled in WCW. He was quite a big fellow, quite a scruffy looking fellow and so on. After leaving WCW, he bumped around a little bit, did a few indies and so on. Signed for the WWF, had a quite terrible gimmick when he first signed there as an evil, an evil monk, uh, Friar Ferguson, and so on. When that didn't work out, and there was complaints made by certain church groups, this individual went away, and as the WWF does, repackages them and brings them back. And Vince McMahon, in all of his glory, promoted and gave to us the Bastion Booger. Now, oh dear. If you've not seen this guy, um, first of all, normally I say if you've not seen these this this individual, Google them. But do it, you know, when when you've not you know not on a full stomach and all this sort of stuff. Make sure you, you're not feeling jippy and you're okay because the whole gimmick was basically set up to mock 
the person playing Bastian Bugger, believe it or not. I mean, I can't imagine why Vince would be that. You know, it's not like he's got previous, is it? You know? <laughs> I enjoy destroying lives. But yes, the guy was incredibly overweight. And I'm allowed to point that sort of stuff out because I am overweight. So there we go. But he was grossly overweight. He he was he had bad teeth. He's, he he looked a mess. So they dressed him up in ring gear that was grey and dingy and purposely slightly too small for him. So bulges and bits of him were kind of falling out of the ring gear and so on. And had him work in that in that gimmick. And he had a couple of storylines where he fancied Luna Vashon and tried to kiss her and Bam Bam Bigelow got cross with him about it and so on, which is obviously the premise of every great wrestling angle in the history of, of wrestling. So, you know, I can't see why that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> but he also had moments where he couldn't wrestle in certain shows because of a stomach upset because he'd been eating crap all day and he had diarrhea at this this one event and couldn't wrestle and all this and that was part of the guy's gimmick he missed the 1994 war rumble because well there was a gap basically the, the countdown happened the buzzer went off nobody came out it was a tease that brett hart was missing it because he was injured when brett did come out the commentators explained oh that was supposed to be bastian booger he was incredibly unwell because of his bad diet and the whole gimmick the whole run as bastian booger was literally set up in my eyes anyway and in the eyes of many to basically dig this guy out for being a bit of a mess so i mean i don't understand how somebody who frequently suffers from stomach upsets and diarrhea i don't see how that could get anybody over i don't understand how that how that can be motivation for a wrestling gimmick but there we go that's my entrant this week my friend the bastian booger I'll tell you exactly how it becomes a gimmick, because Vince finds poo hysterical. Well, yeah. As as, yeah. Intelli- as intelligent as he undeniably is, he's got a similar sense of humour to me. Difference is, I wouldn't book it in a wrestling angle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Sometimes I look at this guy, and I just think, how have you made so much money with, with some of the stuff he comes out with? You know. Yeah, I mean, I, one of one of my uh, contestants for going on here was. Um, was uh, farting Natalia. Oh my God, yes. If you remember that. Yeah, farting Natalia was going oh. on there. And I'm sure that is there just because Vince likes the noise the fart machine's made. Mm, maybe, maybe. He'd love was... this gimmick then because we got a fart noise right in the jingle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, why Vince, that's why Vince watches every week. Yeah. yeah you, just, you had Bastian Bugger there and he, look, he just looked like, he looked like a washed out, low rent, gimpy version of, uh, of uh, Demolition. Didn't he? He, he was <laughs> couldn't even afford the face paint. He was oh. utterly, utterly terrible. It wasn't good. I mean, put it this way: when he made his date, obviously these guys wrestle and they uh, they, they squash people, don't they? That, that's the, the nature of the beast in ninety two, ninety three, and so on. You would have superstars and wrestling challenge and prime time wrestling, or whichever way that the shows were those years. And they would they would squash people, and then the first person of name value they would face would be a Coco Beware or a Virgil, and then they would beat them, and that's how they would kind of build them up the card. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bastion Booger had one or two matches, and then lost to Virgil on television. That's how much hope they gave this guy. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, fair play to Virgil. He had a, he had a solid six months in nineteen ninety two, but um, good job. Was already, yeah, half decent punches. Yeah. About 15,000 names in WCW. Yeah. 
Yeah, he, he was part of the NWO as well. Well, well I suppose everyone was part of the. I think I think you yeah. and me were part of the NWO at one stage. And I, I feel bad. I feel bad ragging on Virgil though at the minute after all the sort of revelations about his health and that came out. It's, yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, you say that we just spent the last ten minutes ragging on Bastion Booger, and he's actually dead. Is that worse? Um, no, he's been dead a good twelve years, so it's okay, is it? Yeah. Plus, <laughs> plus, 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 we're fat lads as well, so it's kind of yeah. Weird. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. If anything, I could cosplay. If anything, all it takes is a beard trim. I could cosplay as Bastion Booger. There you go. Sorted. Halloween special this year. That's that's you. That is. I want a picture <laughs> of you. As, you will. You will win the prize, mate. If you just have. <laughs> that is the end of the contest. <laughs> oh god, that that that'd take a lot of spandex. Yeah, that's it, mate. That's it. Uh, in the chat, then, before we get on to our non-wrestling topic, we have Scottish Danny again saying we can buy the Green Hornet in CX right now for under a pound, which and is you'd, you'd still be overpaid. <laughs> yeah, they'd still be ripping you off. <laughs> uh, Bastion Booger made appearances on the 15th anniversary of Raw in full see, gimmick. See, I had that on right? DVD. I don't remember it. No, but then again, that was a lot of years and a lot of years ago. So, yeah, what they are now? Like twenty? What they passed twenty five, aren't they now? Twenty five anniversary. Uh, it's it's knocking on the thirtieth, thirtieth anniversary yeah, okay. next year. Yeah, and Morty just to sort of put our minds at rest says here uh, he's passed the ten year mark since he passed away. So apparently he's fair game. So there we go. That's the cutoff. Apparently, <laughs> a decade, and we can make jokes. So. <laughs> Hang on, who else is dead that I can take the piss out of? <laughs> oh man, okie doke then. Shall we get to our non wrestling topic, Dan? Do uh, it. And I'll tell you what, that was very, very close to being the first time I called you Mags by accident on this show. That was nearly it, then, mate. That nearly slipped in there. That's what she said. Our non wrestling topic this week. We asked for any kind of stories to do with skiving or bunking off or getting caught bunking off, trying to take time off when you shouldn't for any particular reason, reasons why, great days you've had doing it, and so on. And we had quite a few come in of, of different uh, different situations, different natures and so on, which, which is fantastic. You've not seen any of these, I'm guessing, Dan? Uh, I've read one or two, but like I say, my memory is awful, so I've already forgotten no problem, no problem. We will start very quickly on WhatsApp, and we will start with my youngest, Charlie, who sent me a message after she read the status on online, and I, I explained to her what it meant and so on. My 12-year-old says, I used to, she's got a bad ankle. She says here, I used to use, I use my bad ankle a lot in PE to get out of doing anything. Fantastic, Charlie. Fair play, Tom. <laughs> should you be admitting that to your dad, really? And should I be saying it live on a, on a YouTube show now? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, and when she was in junior school, she used to act ill all the time to get out of school. And she would tell me and Sharon that she had a stomachache or a headache and then wait for Sharon to do the school run and then get on her phone and be right as rain. Naughty, naughty. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <sighs> yes. Uh, Matt Willis, also on WhatsApp, he says here... He's never really bunked off, but other than when he got addicted to the internet in sixth form and used to spend seven hours a day in the library on a computer just surfing the net rather than doing his actual coursework and so on that he should have been doing. He says he bunked every single lesson in theory. He was there, but not doing what he should have been doing. That's severe. Yeah. Severe, dear me. But I mean, my question straight away was, what were you looking at then? 
six, seven hours on the internet is a long old time, you know, on a school computer as well. Let's bear that in mind, right? Yeah, you're not going to be you're not going to be accessing any materials that a teenage boy would normally access if he had seven hours on the internet. Well, this is it. He said he would look at anything and everything, but there was filters in place to stop certain things popping up, suspect things popping up. And he said there was issues even searching their own county, Essex, as it had S-E-X in the word, and that would get blocked by default. So he says chat rooms was, were also blocked. Was Matt, was Matt trying to memorise the entirety of Wikipedia? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to get more from you about that, uh, Mr. Willis. I know you're not in the chat tonight. You're, you're always, uh, I've always engaged this evening, but you said you're going to listen on the podcast version later on in the week when it comes out. So, yeah, drop the drop the show a tweet at chain underscore wrestling or get in contact as you have done here and, and let us know exactly where you're coming from with that. Yeah, definitely. If, uh, if we can stay on WhatsApp, sorry, I've just had one in right now from uh, my brother who's watching live. He's not in the chat. Hiya, Cam. How are you doing, Spud? Brilliant stuff. Um, he once put his forehead under a radiator to fake a temperature and the, get the day off to be looked after by my nan because he knew he'd spend all day eating sandwiches because she'd just make him whatever food he wanted. <laughs> Fantastic. That's what, that's brilliant. That's forethought as well, isn't it? That's not just, oh, I feel a bit jippy. That's, you know, making sure the temperature feels warm and airy. That's, that's good stuff. Devious. It's pre-planning, mate. I, I respect that. I respect that. Uh, Fitch here at Daddy and Alfred on Twitter. He says, Never this is easy. Never. No, no, no. I'm not familiar. Um, <laughs> he says, this is easy. He used to get a small private taxi to school because he lived outside the catchment area for the buses and it was a government cock up. He used to wave the taxi off at the window and just tell his parents the taxi hadn't arrived. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Right, so where my, where my brother's is like forward planning and quite good, that's only going to work so many times before the parents start making real complaints. The wow. company start talking to the drivers and they say, we turned up, we got waved away. What do you want us to do? We can't just have, you know, taxi driver can't just force a child into the taxi against his will. No, there's laws against that, I think, isn't there? I hope so. I'm fairly certain anyway, you know, in certain areas of the country. Maybe not so much in the Forest of Dean, but... Um, he says here, though, he does continue, his dad sat over the road one day before going to work and actually watched him do this. So he did get caught out. The best part about that is I bet that Fitch's dad wasn't even sat in in a car or hiding or anything like that. He was probably just in a lawn chair on the neighbour's lawn and Fitch just, just like wandered <laughs> off and just like, oh, there's a guy in a chair over there. No, fuck off taxi. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. <laughs> uh, James at 80s and 90s wrestling on Twitter. He says, for the 2006 World Cup, Work wouldn't let him have it off. So he literally just quit and then spent the month in Germany watching the World Cup. <laughs> that is legendary. That is a, what a great life choice. Yeah, 100%. That's last one of those where it's it's a situation of, I, 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 you know, you're not going to get opportunities to do that again, are you? You know, it's, no. it's literally a case of get it done and that's that, you know? Uh, he said that he didn't give any notice. He just quit. It was a bit pricky of him, he said, but arrogance won. And then his, he got caught out a little because it then took him months to get another job. Yeah, worth it, though. Why yeah, not? Yeah, think of the memories, mate. Think of the memories. Yeah. You know, watching England get knocked out uh, again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we, 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 may, we maybe made the quarterfinals. Well, that's quite an achievement. Well, I suppose in recent years we haven't been too bad, but there we go. Uh, the Texas Gentleman, our good friend Tanner, Texas Gentleman underscore on Twitter, he says he quit the worst job he ever had without notice. Fortunately, had another job lined up already, 
so it would have left anyway without any regrets. He said, I said, I asked him, was it a storm out? And he said, pretty much, but it was just kind of done over the phone. I was like, oh, okay, there we go. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Good. If it's hey, if it's not working for you, it's not working for you. Everybody's got a breaking point. Mate, I, one of the greatest moments of my life was literally, well, I think greatest, one of the most satisfying moments of my life was quitting the job by doing the whole full on, oh, fuck you then, and throwing the keys on the desk. <laughs> I was such a right. I think I've told this story before on a really early episode of Chain Wrestling, way back in the audio days. Uh, it, it boiled down to, you know, and I've got another story later on as well, similar to this, but it boiled down to having tickets to go and see somebody play live, mm. them telling me I couldn't go. I literally threw the keys on the desk, told them to shove it and just walked out thinking, okay, I'm going to go watch Motorhead or whatever it was. Got halfway down the stairs, realised I'd left my coat behind. I had to turn around, <laughs> do that embarrassing walk, back in and, and another thing whilst I grabbed my coat and then walked back out again, mate. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. I've, well, I've only had two, I've only had two proper jobs. I'm quite, you know, I've been quite long, I've had a lot of longevity in both, both jobs, but, used to work retail it just got so far on top of me it was awful yeah really bad for mental health and all the rest of it um i'd done this interview to go be a temp and i got a call five minutes before i was due to set off to tell me i'd got the job so i was late because i was writing my notice right literally just handwriting it on a white piece of a4 and then walked in and said damn damn why are you late and i was like oh, i was writing that <laughs> oh, that must have felt good. That must have felt oh, good. it did. It was glorious. Our good friend Steve-O, at Total Steve-O on Twitter, he says, you know what? He genuinely can't think of any any real times he's bunked off. He said once he did bunk off one lesson with his friend, who not- notoriously bunked off a lot, but he could tell that Steve-O wasn't comfortable, so they went back to class after 20 minutes. <laughs> Okay. I've got to be honest, he's wilder than me. I've, you've managed to get me on the one week where I've got no really sort of good stories. <laughs> oh, mate, what a disaster that is. Do you want to come by next? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scottish Danny here in the chat. And I'm going to need some more info from you, Danny, actually, if you, whilst you're there. Filling us in a little bit here. On Twitter, Scottish Danny says, he bunked off school with friends to go and see Bruce Almighty in the cinema, but they got refused entry, so they shouldn't have, never, shouldn't have even bothered. Now, how come you got refused entry? Was it an age thing or... What was it? I don't understand. How how did that work? It could have it could have been an age thing because I'm trying to. I know roughly how old Danny is. I know roughly when that film came out. So if if they were like if they were sort of a bit on the young looking side, it would have been an age thing, I reckon. The old baby faced Danny wouldn't have got in anywhere then, no. No, I don't think he would have. <laughs> uh, good cop, bad cop, wrestling podcast at Good Bad Wrestle on Twitter. Always a brilliant listen. He says, it came up on Radio Techers yesterday, actually. And as it's the World Snooker Final today, it seems relevant. In three periods during sixth form, there were a few of them who were known to go and play snooker at the local club. Uh, the rate was cheaper at this time of day because obviously, you know, it's, it's you know, working hours. So they sneak <laughs> off and play snooker rather than spending their three periods when they should have been studying. So, yeah, OK, fair enough. <laughs> fair play. You never know. Yeah, you never, you never know. It could have been the next Ronnie O'Sullivan. Well, potentially, yeah. Uh, Millwall Chris at Millwall Chris one on Twitter. He says, and he's given us specific dates here, Dan, you know, this is like incriminating. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, 30th of October, 1994. He wanted to attend Nottingham Forest versus Millwall, uh, knew his job wouldn't give him the time off. So in the words of Baldrick, he had a cunning plan. (laughs) (laughs) This, this This can only be gold. I feel like I need to put my feet up and just get settled in for this. Uh, 
He gave his brother's hospital appointment card to a friend who worked for a printer's firm. He made a few adjustments, and lo and behold, he all of a sudden had a doctor's appointment on that day. <laughs> uh, in oh. case you were wondering, we won 2 now. I, I wasn't wondering. Um, <laughs> Nobody cares about me one. Well, that's it. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Again, it's the pre-planning that I like. I mean, just, yeah. just phoning in sick. Oh, I'm a bit jippy. I can't be bothered. Okay, whatever, but the pre-planning there to go and get this card made and then be look, got an appointment and so on. That's class. It would have probably been less effort to go to work. <laughs> well, yeah, but he got to watch the footy. So yeah. Oh, as well. Then, uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, Millwall Chris continues. When I was in what is now year 10 at secondary school, which is fourth year back in his day, he says, I just didn't fancy going to school. So he faked, <laughs> he faked his bad asthma and took about six weeks off. <laughs> <laughs> you know you get that every summer right oh man i i said to him oh, i messaged back how did you how did you fake that what, what was what was the plan what was the you know and he said well, he has asthma anyway so all he had to do was cough and wheeze a bit tell his mum he didn't feel well and that was that his mum then went off to work and he had the day to himself like for six weeks he said you didn't need to supply a note to the school back in those days, back in the eighties. So you could just get away with it. I mean, I'm not hundred percent sure what I did at the weekend though. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, it seems very much a case of Monday or Friday. His asthma is bad. <laughs> it's, it's that it's very like day specific allergies and, and, yeah. and asthma attacks. That's my how, how did he pull the con for that long? I don't know, man. I don't know. His parents must've just, but mum must've been really super caring and worried or they knew what he was up to him just for sodding and carry on. Yeah. One of, which one was it, Millwall, Chris? Come on, let us know. Yeah, let us know, buddy. Give us a shout out. Let us know. <laughs> did, your parents, did your parents love you or not? <laughs> yeah, let's, that's, 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 the, that's the big question we want to hear now. <laughs> you know, did your parents care or did they just not give a shit and just knew you were sat at home watching? What would it have been? That then, TVAM and Trisha? Would that have been? <sighs> don't, know, don't know where before my time. Yeah, all right. Start, <laughs> what? Start like, start like Benny Mac now. He's constantly digging me about you know being younger than me on on the way. I'll give room. over. I'm, I'm digging Millwall Chris about it. Ah, okay. I'll go along with that then. Yeah, you're old. Get, stop, stop taking it so personal. Bless you. <laughs> Poor little size. His age is getting to me. I get it all the time. Oh, mate, the wife takes great pleasure in the friend of mine. Sharon has, has turned forty. Doesn't look it. Granted, but she's turned forty. Constantly digs me about being forty-one. It's not even a year's difference in our ages. But yeah, I'm ancient. Just because I've got those extra few months, you know? During the war, During the war. In the chat, then. We'll have a quick look there, since that's all we have from Twitter this week. Uh, Sharon says that Charlie has stood there laughing because she's watching the show downstairs with her mum. Little shit, Sharon says. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, looks like you exposed yourself a little bit there, Charlie. You've given your mum, you know, the truth behind what used to go on when you were in junior school, you little little madam. Um, (laughs) Morty says, Matt was on... M.E. Snake? Mr. Snake, I think he's meant to... Yes, and yeah. the following comment says here, yeah, Matt was on Mr. Snake, 100%. Uh, apparently, that was a website that could get around the blockers. Where Morty continues here. Oh, you're going to be as rude as you like with me. You find websites in IT that would work past the blockers, he says in the oh. chat here. Mr. Snake being one of them. I've never heard of Mr. Snake. Me neither. I'm a little concerned to, I mean, obviously I'm a little concerned to Google Mr. Snake now in 2022, because it might be a completely different <laughs> site by now. 
<laughs> no, I heard about 17 jokes trying to force the way out of, out of my head then and not one of them are saying live on here. <laughs> Scottish Danny here giving us a little insight into how his mind works. He says, after 3.15, all the sites were unblocked. Yeah, so you planned ahead, mate, did you? <laughs> For you to know that. <laughs> Don't know if you planned ahead, but you certainly planned a whack. Well, yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> Morty as well says here, his navy, n- navy, what the hell? His navy, his navy, his navy faked a COVID test. <laughs> his nephew faked a COVID test using orange juice. How do you use orange juice? I'm guessing you put the like a couple of drops of orange juice on the uh, on the on the thing that you put the the drops of liquid on, and that must register positive. Oh, okay. I mean, could you not just draw a line on it? Maybe, but then, but then you do get the discoloration as the as it oh, rises yeah, to yeah, the top. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Fitch says here, answering a few questions about the whole taxi waving the taxi off issue. He says his dad used to phone up loads, and they would just tell him I waved them off, and I used to argue they were lying. It went on for months. <laughs> <laughs> your, oh my goodness Fitch, your dad must have been just so patient or a, a little bit dense yeah yeah maybe maybe uh what about yourself then dan what have you got for us bird any stories about bunking off skiving off or trying to sneak off somewhere to do something different not not really certainly not from my school days i was i was a proper scared little <laughs> Little twat. Um, <laughs> the only time I remember faking being ill was because I was um, it was because I was being bullied and wanted to go home. So that's depressing. Uh, the closest I've got to it is I've, I've said before about how I've got to go to Anthony Joshua versus Vla- uh, Vladimir Klitschko, yes. huge boxing fight Wembley. To do that, I had to really pull some strings because I was supposed. I got the call on the Friday night to say that I had a ticket if I wanted it. I had to then spend twenty minutes ringing around people to try to cover my shift because I was supposed to be working all weekend. Okay. And I managed to work it so that I missed, didn't take any lunches, missed an hour of work that I'd make up at a later date to then leave at four o'clock on the Saturday, get the train down to London, watch the fight, stay at my parents' flat in London, get the train back the Sunday morning, get off the train and go straight to work after being up till 3am drinking. Nice. (laughs) Uh, were you rough? Were you rough? No, I was. I was, was alright because I was just buzzing for the whole atmosphere. But it was um, the daft thing is it was in a box at Wembley, and there was there was a woman in there who was like part of the hospitality staff, and her job was just to make sure that you still had beer. Right. If you were low, she just pass you another one. Like yes, thank you. And it had its own kitchen. And there was a guy in there just cranking out curries all night. Brilliant. It was amazing. Then the box next to us was proper weird. There was two celebrities in the box next to us. One of them was Peter Andre. So. <laughs> Like, oh, not random at all. <laughs> it's even weirder when he was in the box there with Frank Bruno. Okay, but that's two people you wouldn't think to be buddies, isn't it? Yeah, but apparently Frank Bruno was there, like reuniting with his estranged brother and all this. So a couple of people went off to get a photo with Peter Andre. I really wanted to get a photo with Frank Bruno, but I didn't want to interrupt what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> this touching family reunion and there's just you and Peter Andre popping up in the background like oh yeah <laughs> photo photo 
<laughs> oh man connor in the chat here says to, to save me doing it thank you connor i appreciate that he says he's just looked up mr snake and it's safe to say i should never have googled it <laughs> oh brilliant stuff oh connor you you've you sweet summer child <laughs> yeah there we go uh um i don't know if i've ever told this story on the show before uh, about the vegetable soup and wanting to go see Motorhead. I think it was Motorhead. It's always Motorhead, apparently. Well, it's Mo- well, I've seen Motorhead. Barring Wasp, I've seen Motorhead more times than any other band. So they sort of come around quite quite often. I think mean, it's like yeah. 11, 12 times I've seen Motorhead now. So it's quite a few, um, quite a few times. But it was Wasp or Motorhead or Saxon or someone like that. Anyway, I was going to go see yeah. somebody. And um, I had booked the day off. But last minute, my boss turned around and cancelled the day off. Said you can't have it because somebody else has phoned in sick and so on. And I was raging. And at this stage, I at this stage I was on one hand a little bit more responsible, I guess, because I didn't want to just you know I would have just quit my job. In previous years, more recent years, I would have just sodger and walked out. You know, at this stage, I was probably a little bit more responsible than than I should have needed to be potentially. Hmm. But I thought, well, I've got the tickets. My train's booked. I've got to have at least a half day. So I was like, well, I want the day off. And they argued that you can't have a day off. And if you phone in sick, then we're going to you know, have a disciplinary meeting because we know blatantly you're doing it because it's a day's holiday that you wanted and so on. And that's just the type of people that, that these people, that these people were that I worked for. Assholes. No, yeah. Yeah. Basically mate. Totally. <laughs> so <laughs> what happened was effectively, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to get out of work. But I can't get out of work without them physically knowing that I'm unwell. So I, me and my mate, who, when we get together, we're, we're kind of a bad influence on each other, really. We kind of came up with this idea of how I can convince the people who work with me that I need to go home. So I went into work that day saying I felt very poorly. Kept running off to the toilet to be sick. Uh, etc and i was told nope you're not going home you're not going home we know you wanted a day off they just weren't believing me mm. i had a tin of vegetable soup in my bag especially for this kind of uh, situation uh where the toilets were in this place it was quite a small little room you had two urinals one little privy in the corner and then the sinks running down the side i waited until my supervisor was in the toilet knowing you know he's going to be at the urinal or he's going to be in at the sink and there's a gap around the door of the privy. So I ran in, shut the door of the privy, started coughing and coughing and coughing, making loads of wretched noises, threw this <laughs> threw this tin of soup down the toilet, making sure I splashed a little bit on the floor as well. <laughs> so, so that you heard the noise. <laughs> so when my boss turned around and was like, oh my God, he could effectively see from three or four yards away, uh, what looked like puke (laughs) with chunks in and all sorts. And I'm I'm there basically shouting, I told you I was ill. I told you I was ill. So that's it. So eventually I I got bleach out and made, told them I cleaned it all up and all that. And they were like, go home. You can't stay. You're poorly. It's contagious. Everyone else come down with it. Yeah. So I left there, literally took off my work t-shirt, put on my wasp t-shirt or Saxon t-shirt or whatever it was, went straight to the bus, straight to the train station straight off up north to watch the band so yeah that's one of my uh <laughs> that's one of my biggest uh achievements i think when it comes to pulling the wool over someone's eyes on that level but at the same time i only did that because they fucked me over first exactly it's absolutely fine 
Exactly. I, I had a friend as well who used to save stuff on his phone. Mm. And this is relatively recent. This is in the last sort of, I say relatively recent. It would have been just before COVID. I, I heard what he was doing. And he used to, he used to call him like his backups in case he fancied the odd day off. So anytime that he had a flat tire, he would take a picture <laughs> and, then, and then just leave it on his phone. Okay. <laughs> There was there was an occasion where um, there was a pipe that split in in his front garden or outside his house, and it was flooding across the floor and, and affecting his house and so on. He took a picture of that, and he saved up like ten pictures of different circumstances. You know, he took a picture of him outside the vets with his dog and all this sort of really weird shit. And then every now and again, he just send his boss a picture and go, "Can't come in today. Um, you know, the dog's poorly." I'm at the vets now. We think we think he might be thinking think might have to get him having put down. Or can't come in today. Look, here's my flat tire, which actually happened four months ago, but his yeah. boss wasn't to know. You know, so we had all these backup ideas and backup plans. And on That's one hand, I thought, yeah, on one hand, I thought, you sneaky bastard. But on the other hand, I thought, that is that's clever. I wouldn't have the brass balls. No. No, I don't think I would. Because I remember seeing a thing. It was like a, this. Like there's a Twitter account called Fesshole, which is like anonymous confessions. Yeah, it's great. And there was a, yeah, it's brilliant. But there was one guy on there that I just remembered. He was. He said, "Whenever I start a new job, I always start with all four grandparents alive, just yeah. in case I fancy a day off." Yeah, and he, he kills them off at every job. Yeah, that's terrible. That is terrible. Oh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's the foresight to, to to have that. You know, to you know. Oh, I couldn't have the guts to do it's, something. It's, like it's that. almost it's almost admirable. Almost. It's intelligent, maybe not admirable, I suppose. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, you, you, can uh, admire, you can admire the intelligence. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Again, the planning ahead I enjoy. Naturally, well, if anybody could, from either my or size, our size work is listening, we would never dream of doing anything like that. No, no, no. I actually like my job, to be fair. So Yeah, same. That's I'm a rare I'm doing mad hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Morty here has got a message for you, Dan, in the chat. He says he and Fitch are heading to a beautiful little cinema on Thursday for a date night and Doctor Strange. Get down for it if you can, Dan. You can drink beer in this cinema and you sit in armchairs. Drink beer that, in sounds like, that sounds like an everyman cinema, um, which it sounds good, boys, but I'm working, um, I'm working an 11-hour shift on Thursday, so there's no chance of me getting anywhere other than home to bed. Mm, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Okie doke. I, I, I apologise as well, everybody. As as was it, as was the case. Sorry, when Sharon was our guest host last week, uh, I'm in charge of doing the chat and everything else. I'm kind of very new to this, so if I miss anything or, or you know, I don't bring stuff up as quickly as as Magsy would, I apologise in advance for that. And also, I'm realising how small this writing actually is, and I can barely read some of it. Can I, bring, can, I, can I bring up anything in here? Like if I no, I can't. Just hover over it. Nah, it don't work. It doesn't come up with show. No. No. Oh, well, I'll oh, try. Okay. That's uh, that's more that's more effort than I've put into the technology side of any other podcast I've ever been on. To be honest, it's more effort than I've put into that for around the first thirty-five shows. <laughs> I just didn't know how to do it, so I was like, uh, <laughs> "So I'm ahead of a ch- I'm ahead of the chain wrestling curve." <laughs> yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely. Oh, mate, you want to? I've just seen the latest two comments uh, from from Fitch and Connor. Um, I think, that, yeah, Jesus Christ, Fitch. I got fed up of walking one day, so I went back to my van, drove up the road, and let the tire down. Bef- by the- 
<laughs> by the time it was recovered, it was time to put up a working story. Uh, by the time it was recovered, I had to go home. Oh, that was fantastic. That is, <laughs> that's good. That is good. Uh, Connor here. This happened to be back in March. I have a friend who's real good with graphic design. And what we had made him a phony cage side seats pass for the UFC fight night event. I don't follow that's, that. That's incredible. So they used they used um, this person's obviously a graphic designer. So they made okay. fake uh, ringside or cage side seat passes for a UFC fight. So they made the passes at home, a bit like with the um, the appointment card. Uh, okay, right. Made them at home, looked all official. So yeah, you can go cage side. And he said the staff bought it, and we got oh why that see that there as much as the the grandparents stuff that there is like. That takes balls because if you oh, get yeah. found out, there's no, there's no, oh, I didn't realize, or oh, this was, yeah, sorry, or if you get found out, that's it. We just said, well, well, how did I get them then? Who, who saw me these? You know, how, how have I got in? Yeah, <laughs> especially now when you go to an event like that and they're like scanning uh, barcodes and QR codes and all the rest of it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Morty here saying, I'm gonna have to go. The wife is getting me to go and fetch her wine from Tesco. No worries, Morty. Uh, catch the rest later in the week if you want, if you so desire. On the tell podcast her to, tell version. us to get her own sodding wine. Oh, mate, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, um, oh. sorry, I, I had this cat and I just wanted to chuck it amongst the pigeons, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you did, and you did. Yeah. Uh, shall we talk a little bit of wrestling, my friend? If we have to, mm, let's get Okay, um, Sharon's selection won the poll, which I know she was very, very, very happy about, and then didn't even bother watching the match with me. Makes Shocking no sense behavior, Sharon. But at the same time, when we were talking about it earlier on, she did explain that she has seen this match already four or five times. So for for Sharon, that's a lot to have gone back and watched the same match again. So, yeah, I mean, it's... It, <laughs> and there we go in the chat there, Sharon, uh, shouting out Adam Cole, baby. Yes, indeed. What a star that man is. Yeah. The match that won was the Undisputed Era versus Team Champa from NXT TakeOver War Games 2019. I've got a few questions, first of all, Dan, before we sort of dive into it a little bit. One, NXT, not so much now because it's, it's a different product now to what it was back in the day so to speak but this sort of time the undisputed era sort of time and when nakamura was in and out and so on is nxt something you you watched a great deal a great deal of oh yeah i was religious watcher of nxt at this point um only really fell off during the during the uh, bit during the empty arena shows but when it went to two hours that's when it started to lose me because it was on bt and then it wasn't on the network until Mm -hmm. a little while later and and that sort of that whole move just the sort of the quality of the show started to dip and it was it just wasn't the same anymore and it, it just sort of lost it lost its steam over time but this was still sort of one of the last gasps of of really good NXT for me yeah okay and I suppose or two sort of two more questions before we dive on in War Games itself has a concept now obviously it, it's an old Jim Crockett promotions. Um, I suppose concept match type, and then it was used in WCW as well, and then obviously it was revived in NXT. But the NXT version is different to a traditional War Games match in that 
you have pinfalls here uh, you didn't in the original mm. ones and so on what are your thoughts on war games in general and and have you seen many of the old classics or anything i've got the dvd box set of war games so okay. the ones that wwe deemed as the best are the most unique versions of war games i've had that watched it a couple of times but the thing i find is i watch these matches i love watching them i love the I love the violence of some of the old ones and how just how bloody it is. Yeah. I can never remember exactly who's in each iteration of the match okay. for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. It just always escapes me. Um, the one that's just, because it's the most one I've watched most recently, apart from this one, the uh, the Russo's Revenge uh, Triple Cage War Games. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, God. If, if nothing else but for the iconic commentary line, when Scott Steiner's got a, a pipe in his hand, because they've got the second level with all the weapons. And somebody, I think Shivoni says, is there anything scarier than Scott Steiner with a lead pipe? And, uh, and uh, Mark Madden pipes up, yeah, microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I love them. They're, they're absolutely insane. The, two, the whole two rings and the cage looked amazing. I, about when, when they used to have the ceiling on it, though, and you had like guys who were like six foot six plus, Mm-hmm. You know, trying to do these big power moves and just getting hampered. So you've got, like, I don't know, like Sid trying to just like, just like military press someone and he gets himself out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Sid. It's better without the roof for me. He he um, tried to power bomb Brian Pillman in 91 and yes. Pillman sort of made contact with the roof. And then basically Sid just damn near killed the guy. Yeah, you know, dropped him right on his head and neck and so on. So, yeah, it was a bit restrictive. But, I mean, uh, uh, way, way, way back, a long time ago, um, when I used to still do the SJP wrestling podcast, episode number one was All Things War Games. And mm-hmm. Magsy, our good friend, um, who, who, you know, helped me a great deal getting into this whole podcasting world, he was my first guest on my own show when I used to do that. Mm-hmm. And we basically watched every single War Games match and then spoke about them, and then picked our favourites and so on. So we watched all of them in the course of, you know, literally from, I think it's 87, it starts off in Jim Promotions, right the way through, all the way through WCW, up to these NXT ones. We watched all of them in the space of a few days, ready to record this show. What you notice is, they all do really kind of follow the same format. The heels have to have the advantage. Yeah, and when it was used to be, used to be down as a coin toss to decide who, who was... <laughs> the, the team that had the advantage man the four horsemen in the 80s and early 90s and so on they jj dylan that the four horsemen's manager he should be picking the lottery numbers all the time because that guy <laughs> never he never lost a coin toss i mean talk about his guy alive that would and that would only work in the era of kayfabe you know when it's alive mm. and well there'll, yeah. there'll be people there'll be people frothing them actually oh if they won another coin toss it must be rigged it's got to be rigged the cheaters you know and giving it all that yeah yeah, I mean, for me, I love both incarnations of war games. I love the modern day war games because they have took it to another level, as we'll see when we talk about this match in a moment. But the classic war games for me, I'll always come back to because it is it is what I love. It's that old Jim Cockett promotions, NWA sort of smoky arenas, a bit a bit murky. I knew you were going to say smoky arenas. That was just about to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, on that note, then in this match, obviously, one team is the Undisputed Era. Who I I. I really liked the Undisputed Era. I'm a big fan of having stables, and these guys I thought were very good at what they did. Where do you place the Undisputed Era in comparison to maybe some of the other well-known 
big name stables like the Horsemen, the NWO, and so on. Because I think in NXT, they were really groundbreaking. In NXT, the big fishes. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a little bit of an impact on the main roster, uh, as as plays into this match, in fact. But it was always confined confined to NXT, and at that time, it was always the developmental brand. Yeah. So I can't put them in a top five in the top five of factions. Mm-hmm. I'd struggle to put them in the top ten. Oh, okay. if, we're ta- if we're talking like the whole of wrestling and we're including, you know, factions in WCW and, and you know, sort of some of the territory days or even factions in Britain or Japan, Mexico, anywhere like that. Yeah. I can't put them top 10, but they'll probably make the top 20. Okay. For me, match quality, they're out there. Oh, physical ability. That's not to run down the physical abilities because yeah. they are they are ridiculous. Most of them. <laughs> yeah. Of, of, of all of them, I, in terms of in ring style, I love Kyle O'Reilly. Oh, yeah, I'm a big he's, fan. He's, as well. he's my he's my favorite. The strikes and the sort of the martial arts things, but I like that anyway because it, it looks it looks real. Everything he does looks like it hurts. Probably because it does. You know, it's he's just fantastic. Bobby Fish very much the same vein. He's just not got that sort of charisma that O'Reilly has behind him, all that fire. Roddy Strong, again, just ridiculous technician and how he works everything into a backbreaker. It's ridiculous, but again, from what I've seen, and I've not seen any of his ROH stuff, but he does just doesn't quite have that spark. Right. Yeah. Whereas Adam Cole is obviously very talented, but. He just goes a little. I've, it's well documented. I am not the. I'm not the biggest Kenny Omega or Young Bucks fan. Okay. And Adam, and Adam Cole just goes a bit too far that way for me. But I prefer Adam Cole to Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. It, See, I'm a big fan of all those guys. The, the, don't get me wrong. I can't disparage their physical abilities or anything. I have just never once given a shit about anything they did apart from Omega when he was in the the latest Golden Lovers storyline when he was in Japan and that mm-hmm. was because I cared more about Ibushi yeah fair enough okay oh, so I mean, like, Omega... the, sorry the comparison I always make is Omega to me is very is like Mark Andrews incredibly talented can do anything physically in, in the ring and stuff that will make you go wow but there's no emotional connection it's like watch, it's like watching fireworks okay Great while they're going on, and then mm. when they stop, you turn around and go right. Then what we're we doing now? Oh, okay, right. See, I, 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 I really, I, I love Kenny Omega. I think the was absolutely fantastic. Uh, but again, that's why wrestling's fantastic, because you know people have different tastes. You know, yeah. I, I love Brock Lesnar. My wife freaking hates him. <laughs> I, love, I love Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and speaking of my wife, Sharon, there say I thought I liked you, Dan. You do like me, Sharon. <laughs> we're not we're not gonna fall out over something as silly as wrestling. No, no, no. No, not like those idiots on Twitter. Um, yeah. <laughs> Pimple dicks. Yeah, exactly. But effectively what we have here is the, the undisputed era versus Team Champa, but Team Champa is a man down mm. and they say they've extended an invite to somebody to complete their team, but we don't know exactly who when you go into the event and you know, you, you, if you were watching the television and you kind of were a bit switched on, you could probably have figured it out, I guess. But it still wasn't 
you know, it, it, it wasn't like, you know, you knew who was going to be the surprise at the Royal Rumble. It wasn't like you knew Cody was definitely going to turn up at WrestleMania this year. It was that thing of, you might have an idea, but there was options, yeah. wasn't there, Dan? There were, yeah. I mean, it could have been one of any number of people, but I remember watching this at the time and just absolutely losing my mind. Yes. At the surprise yeah. entrance, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, one thing I do like about the Undisputed Era, especially, is just how freaking cool they look here. Because they all come out. They all are slightly different, but they've all got the, the gold. They're the, the tag team champions, the North American title, the, the NXT title, yeah. the whole Adam Cole Bay Bay thing, uh, the music. Oh, man, this is up there for me as one of the best entrance themes that, that WWE or NXT or whatever have produced. Yeah, it sticks in your head whether you want it to or not. So when the when the face is brilliant, you can you know you've got it in your brain, and then when they heal, you're thinking, "Why is it in my head?" Yeah, you know, <laughs> what, what's the point of it? And they had a slightly uncoordinated group pose, but the important thing is they nailed the boom. Mm. They got that down to a T. And at this point, with the entries were going on, I realised how much I'd missed uh, Mauro Ronaldo and Nigel McGuinness on commentary because they're the first two voices that I heard, and. I, I never, I don't mind Beth Phoenix's commentary, but the combination of her and Ronaldo tended too often to get into a shouting match to see who could be louder, and that that could get a bit annoying. But it was, I didn't notice it this much, thankfully. Oh, Sharon in the chat, controversial take here, Dan. She says she doesn't get that. Never a fan, never a huge fan of the undisputed era entrance theme. It's fine, really? Sharon. You're entitled to your own opinion. I love it. It was my ringtone on my phone for ages. It was, it was, you know, when it wasn't my ringtone, it was the music that woke me up in the morning. I maybe that's that why. Record. Maybe Sharon's just heard it too much. Yeah, potentially, potentially. Adam Cole's entrance theme then in AEW. What are your thoughts on that one? Because it's very close to the Undisputed Era, isn't it? It's good. Yeah, I, I like it. It's, it's not. I can't say it's any better or any worse. It's all on a par. It's yeah, both very good. Mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. Champa's got a great theme as well when he comes out. And how awesome did he look with that mask on and so on? D- deliciously evil. Mm. Really very, very good. I, I've, I've missed Champa. I miss watching Champa regularly. He was one of my favourites. Yeah, he was, he was great. Yeah, really good. And the whole stuff with DIY, the whole stuff with, when they split as well and you had the... Uh, uh, the feud between the two of them. Some absolutely incredible matches there as well, wasn't there? Oh, well, Champa and Gargano were the foundation of NXT for so long. Mm. That that feud and, and friendship and, and whatnot was was an absolute saga and just so, so good. And it was it's kind of a shame that the last match that I remember them, ha- them having or tuning into was that attempted cinematic match that was just a bit of a damp squib. Okay. I don't that know if you remember that. That's a real battle for me, to be fair. It was early days pandemic, and obviously it was empty arena. So they tried to do Champa Gargano as like an unsanctioned cinematic style match. Right. But unlike your, like in TNA when they had the ultimate deletion and, and things like that, there was a bit too much wrestling for it to be cinematic, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Because no, they, conf- they confined it to the arena, so it wasn't like when Edge faced... Uh, was it Randy Orton and they went all over the building and they could film it in segments. Yeah. The the match happened and they may have read on spots, but it was all just with a wrestling ring in the middle of a room and it right. just, just didn't quite work. 
Yeah, I get. It. I mean, I suppose the whole pandemic wrestling side of things, it was trial and error, wasn't it? Everyone was doing different things and trying to see what mm. worked and what didn't. I mean, for me, the Edge and Randy Orton match that didn't work because it was just so long and dragged out, and the, the crowd, the, it was there was no audience to. It just didn't work for me, you know. And, and there's only so long you can hear commentating. Oh my god! Oh my god! What's going on? Yeah, you know, in that in that fake like soft, you know, fake concern, soft tone. Yeah. But then you got, but then you got stuff like the um, the money in the bank uh, matches running side by side, the men's and women's, and the racing to the top of Titan Towers, and you've got AJ Styles and whoever it might have been Daniel Bryan fighting into Vince's office. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and all Very that stuff. Of, it's quite comedy esque, wasn't it? That that money in the bank, and I, I didn't mind that too much. And my, I loved it. And Otis won. Oh yeah, that bit I weren't too sure about. But. <laughs> oh, they, they they dropped the ball on Otis. Otis and Mandy Rose, yeah, could have could have been fantastic. And then the writer who was in charge of that storyline got fired, um, and and that was that. They could have had, they could have had a, a Dusty Rhodes esque baby face in Otis. Mm, yeah, and I suppose. They, and they fucked it. I mean, nowhere near as good as Dusty though. But, yeah. That's why I said esque. Okay. <laughs> uh, the match begins with Carlo Riley in first, and he's up against Champa for the first five minutes, as is War Games tradition. Um, it was Roddy Strong in first, wasn't it? Sorry, Roddy Strong. Yes, I've got my notes all mixed up here. <laughs> yeah, Carlo Riley starts. Oh my goodness! What a mess I've made. No, Rod, Rod, right, Roddy Strong start goes in first with Champa. Yes, <laughs> Champa goes in with his with his camo crutch, looking like an injury prone doomsday prepper. Yeah, <laughs> and then he doesn't want the crutch, and they kind of throw it away, don't they? Well, because Roddy wouldn't get in unless Champa laid the crutch down. Yeah. So Champa lays the crutch down. Roddy gets in. And says, "Do you really think I need that to beat you?" No, neither of us have it. Because yeah, why not? Yeah. Rather, and, and than this... doing, rather than doing the heel thing and taking the crutch and beating the piss out of him with it. See, this is the funny thing as well with this match in particular, and I suppose war games in general as well. It's um, this first five minutes. It, to me, it feels like you are literally just killing time to get through to when more people come in. And I'm not. It don't matter how good the guys are in the ring. And I'm, I'm the same when I've watched, you know, the likes of Sting or the Horseman or whatever back in the day. You are just waiting for that five minutes to pass. I feel. Yeah, you are a bit, but I like. I think with this, they did quite a good job of of just going at it quick from the get. Mm. As soon as Strong got in, t- chucked the crutch out. He failed with a cheap shot, and they're going for it. Champers hitting big clotheslines. There's the you're getting launched into the cage. It's back and forth. At one point, Champer took Roddy's head into the turnbuckle and hit like a running knee strike, mm-hmm. which looked brutal. So, as much as these first five minutes always feel a bit of a drag and a bit pointless. They did a very good job with it. Like, you know, you had strong blocking the fairy tale ending, reversing it into a gut buster, and, and all, they timed it all very, very well. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, uh, Kyle O'Reilly is then in the ring, isn't he? That's, you know, that's how I confused myself with my own writing there. And there was a cool spot for that when you've got the sort of almost two on one where <laughs> O'Reilly is, is, is holding, no, sorry, yeah, O'Reilly is holding Champa and Strong is running from one side of the ring to the other and back again and back again and back again and striking forearms every time he passes Champa. Yeah, that, that, that was so simple, but it's brilliant, isn't it? I was knackered just watching Roddy Strong. <laughs> it was just phenomenal. It's backwards and forwards. It's, it's a bit like when I see Rocky Romero do the forever clotheslines in the corner 
It's mm. just constant motion and impact. And then it they took it into a Uranagi backbreaker. And then Kylo Riley drops the knee on him. Yeah. And it's timed perfectly just so they're having a beat down the stomp just as Dijakovic comes in. Now, Dijakovic is another one I think they could have done so much more with NXT. A guy of that size and presence and agility and ability, how do you, how do you not do great things with him when you've got Keith Lee right there? I know they had a couple of good matches. I think NXT Portland, just before the pandemic, they had an absolute banger of a match. But they could have been, like, it could, it could have been Godzilla versus Kong. Mm-hmm. For that, like sort of monster movie destruction derby, just then having matches. You don't need them every every takeover or even every you know, especially not every week. But they could have had like a career feud against each other. See, this is funny because, and I'm going to constantly butcher this guy's name, as you're fully aware, Dan. When I whenever I try and pronounce anything, you know, slightly not, you know, <laughs> my my native tongue on the Doctor Who pod, um, <laughs> Diakovic. Dijakovic. Dijakovic, right. I don't remember anything about this guy. See, I've seen these two, Lee and Dijakovic, on the indies wrestling. They've had mm-hmm. they've just fought all over. And what they did in NXT was was good. What they did on the indies, particularly in AAW, who unfortunately don't have an on-demand service or anything like that. Right, okay. What they did there was better. That's like these two are just they're just magic together. Like guys that big as a spectacle, mm. guys that big should not be able to move the way they do. That is one thing I, I did pick up on I mean, when he got in the ring. Obviously, the guys, the Undisputed Era, are not particularly big fellas, are they? And they're all of a similar build, similar size, give or take. <laughs> if, if you believe WWE, they're all six foot. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> but. This, they're up to like literally sort of chest level on this fella and he's throwing them around like they are nothing and that was impressive I'm, I'm watching the guy come down I'm like okay the name rings a bell but I, I wouldn't be able to pick him out like a picture of him as being this individual and link the name to this guy well, even though know I would have this at the time don't get me do, wrong do you, know, do you know what they did with him? go on do you, do you know where he ended up? he was in retribution oh he's, he's, right. he's T-Bar okay Oh, that is a waste, isn't it? It really is. But you say about him, you say about him being huge. He's, I think he's about six, 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 seven. So he's mm-hmm. a big old boy. And yeah. I don't want to sound all Vince McMahon or you know, you know, old man yells at cloud. But when you saw the undisputed era next to Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic, yeah, Lee and Dijakovic look like wrestlers to me, yeah. like big dudes. And actually, Lee's not that tall. Lee's about five ten, five eleven. He's he's about an inch. Or two, he's an inch or two shorter than me. Um, so, but even then they made, even then Keith Lee made them look small. Obviously, he's a big, thick guy. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, so I've just seen a comment from Marty there. Uh, saying the Monsters as a tag team too were uh, Keith Lee and Dijakovic, which I can completely get behind. Love to see yeah. that. Uh, eventually we get a few more entrants into the match as well. Cause it, I suppose it doesn't really pick up properly until, until, Cole comes in. We get a few crazy spots and a lot of scrapping and so on. And it's not don't get me wrong, by no stretch of the imagination is it boring. It, it I'm loving what I'm seeing. But the stuff everyone kind of remembers is is when Cole comes down later on, isn't it? Apart from when Lee first comes in and he does that incredible leapfrog spot. Oh, and well, then just, just before that, sorry, the Bobby Fish actually came in like a house on fire. 
Yes. Okay. He came, he, this is the best I've seen Bobby. I remember seeing Bobby Fish looking at NXT. Came in, crushes Champer against the cage, ties him up in the ropes, ropes kicks his tits in, break, <laughs> breaks, down, breaks down, just breaks down Dominic Dijakovic with strategically placed like kicks and punches. Goes back to beating on Champer, who's still stuck. Cuts off Dijakovic, back to Champer. Gets um, Dijakovic gets him by the throat, you know, for the choke slam. Mm-hmm. And him and uh, Fish and O'Reilly hit um, hit total elimination. Strong then hits a backbreaker on Champa, and then Fish and O'Reilly hit chasing the dragon. That it was just a flurry of what the hell is going on and why is this yeah. awesome? I mean, it was ridiculous. With with Keith Lee, I mean, again, the size thing comes into into play here. I suppose with mm-hmm. Keith Lee, he, he when he comes in, he as I said, he does the the leapfrog spot, which is impressive because the guy is freaking huge. He hits this crossbody as well, which looked incredible. Yeah. Um, and so that's he is doing things as you worded so well, Dan. He's doing things that by rights a guy that size shouldn't be doing. And uh, <laughs> eventually, the numbers game though gets on top of him because undisputed era do kind of take control for a little bit then and me the visual of that this huge massive guy and then the, the three smaller guys around him you know working you know, kicking at the legs punching at the arms jumping on his back and so on that was like that was quite the visual for me as well because this monster is getting sort of taken down by the numbers game of the smaller guys all effectively swarming him so to speak yeah it was like um it's like seeing like bugs devour a you know devour a carcass or something. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was something. It's 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 almost, and it just the, the phrase that comes to my mind with this is something like death by a thousand cuts. So okay. he's just getting kicked and punched from every angle. So he, mm. he, his muscles are just breaking down, and he has to go down. It like you get so many stereotypical beatdowns in in wrestling, but whenever it happened here, when undisputed era was so good at making those beatdowns look legitimate. Yes, yes. Sorry, I couldn't unmute my mic. There. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. You, you starved it out. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> I'll cut that from the audio version. No one will know. Um, <laughs> we then do get Adam Cole making his way down. And Adam Cole obviously gets a reaction from the crowd, as, as he would. You know, he's the NXT champion and so on. And Cole starts dragging tables out. Now... <laughs> what gets me about this is first of all he's dragging a lot of tables out which i'm thinking okay great because you want it to be a bit of carnage you want it to be a bit crazy that's the nature of the beast yeah but every time cole gets another table out there's another big pop from the crowd yeah i loved it i thought that was great yeah they were just all in for it he goes under and gets a table and the pop is huge he gets another table way and another table way and by then we have like five tables there but what i like about it is he shoves four of them in the ring and he sets the first one up by the barrier. Yeah, almost on so an first, angle, doesn't he? Yeah. First one's on the barrier, four in the ring, goes to get in the ring, and bang, Champa just barges him out of the door and through the table that he set up by the barricade that you'd already forgotten about. That looked a nasty fall, though, Dan, didn't it? He looked like he yeah. didn't quite... It was almost like he was too low by the time he reached the table, and he took it... It just didn't yeah. look comfy, did it? I mean, don't get me wrong, going through a table never looks comfy, but there's... I suppose there's more comfier ways of doing it potentially. Definitely not like that when the back of your head's going to hit the barrier. Because yeah. at the the deathmatch tournament, I was at the weekend. One of the guys um, took a spine buster into the corner through a barbed wire board, and I was stood behind the corner where he took the bump. So I saw his his ass sort of went through the tape, went through the board, mm. and the back of his head just slammed into the through the Ooh. through the barbed wire 
into the board, into the turnbuckle, and he had barbed wire in his hair and all sorts. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gnarly. And you loved it, didn't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, we get tables galore then, don't we? As we said, we've got a broken one on the outside now, but Cole has managed to find his way into the ring. There's tables everywhere. Everyone's brawling. And then we come to a really cool moment where the Undisputed Era are almost like, I suppose, for want of a better term, retreated into the ring away from the door, the furthest yeah. from the door. And Team Champa, as they're referred to as, only the three of them still at this point, they've kind of regrouped and they're slowly crossing the ring and they're going over the one set of ropes through through the little metal, uh, the metal middle bits that, you know, co- combines the two rings through the net. And as they're doing it, the crowd are just building and building and building. The noise is going up as they're, it's almost like they're slowly stalking their prey, I guess. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's like the battle lines have been drawn. Yes, and Team Champa are the ones to cross the divide. Yeah. I mean, news for those in the chat and so on, it's literally just flagged up in on, on my Twitter thing there. Uh, apparently, Roderick Strong tonight has requested his release. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. He'll, no, he'll, end up, no. he'll end up in AEW with the rest of them. Yeah. And fair enough, they're, they're a great unit. Yeah, there we go. So that'd be interesting if he does get his release, and, and especially if he goes to AEW. And all the New Japan stuff they're doing as well. Interesting time, mate. Outside of the WWE, it's an interesting yeah. time, I think. Well, Ring of Honor looming as well. Very but true. Yeah. As always, I prefer to see him go to Impact to challenge Josh, Ale- Josh Alexander for the title because they would have one hell of a match. Yeah, we spoke about Impact the other week, didn't we, and how I need to start watching a lot more of that. Yeah, you do. Crack yeah. on. Yeah, there we go. I will do. <laughs> um, <laughs> effectively, we, we then get the, the the battle lines drawn, as you said, Dan, and they start brawling. And then Keith uh, Lee gets a shot in the daddy bags. And Mauro and, <laughs> and, Mauro, and Mauro Ranello calls it attacking the peninsula south of the equator. Yeah. I, I do like Mauro. I'm, I'm a bit torn, to be honest. This is the first time I've heard Mauro Ronello commentate on anything in a long time. Because obviously he's been out of wrestling for a long time. Mm. My my mindset with him is as great as he is, and I, I like the fact that he's unique as well. Because to me, they're they're, they're you know they're, they're cookie cutter commentators in WWE. They all sound like Michael Cole. They all use the same terminology and so on. Mm. Mauro Ronello is different. I like that. I do think every now and again he needs to tone it back a touch. Because if you're shouting and getting overexcited for everything, then when there is something you need to be overexcited about, it's difficult to, to to get that level of excited again when you've been that hyped up throughout the whole contest, if I've explained if, that well. If everything's special, nothing's special. Yes, yes. And is that level of hype and and volume and expression all... And I, look, fair play to the guy, because I've done bits of wrestling commentary it's bloody hard. It really is a difficult... Uh, uh, no, that's that's incorrect. It's not hard. Doing wrestling commentary is a piece of piss. Doing wrestling commentary well is incredibly difficult. Really, really, really difficult. So people like Ronello, who are incredibly good at what they do, they have my utmost respect. They genuinely do. Because they are fantastic. However, it does sometimes go a little bit too much with him, I think. Yeah, but I think it's it's just his sort of general personality, though, isn't it? He's he is excited, he is excitable, and he is there mm. for it, and he, and he he wants to give everything. It's it's just you know it's just it's just due essentially. 
I do agree he could turn it down slightly at times, but I think he's one of those people that just has a vo- what they call a voice that carries. You know, we all know those people, yeah. we all work with those people who, no matter where they are, you can hear them. Yes. And you think, my God, they're, my God, they're shouting. And they're not, it's just a speaking voice. It just happened mm-hmm. to be very bloody loud. <laughs> and but, and, that, and that, that, sort of, that's, that leads into the issue that I had sometimes with Ronaldo and Beth Phoenix on commentary. Because Beth had to be louder to compensate for Ronaldo mm-hmm. because she didn't want to get overshadowed. Okay, yeah. So then it became like a shouting match. And having Ronaldo there as, as the excitable one is great. You, then you've got McGuinness, who's a bit calmer, but still, you know, gets, still getting his point across when he can. So I had a second shouty voice there into the moments of hype. Just it never quite gelled for me, which is a shame because Beth Phoenix, Beth Phoenix, you could see her grow week to week. Yeah, it, you really could. I didn't, I didn't tweak who it was first of all when I press play, and I don't know why, but my mind straight away went to Lita. And for the first minute or two, I was like, is that Lita on commentary? And eventually I tweaked it, it was Beth Phoenix. But yeah, there we go. Uh, still, still think Lita and Hedge were together from uh, the mid-2000s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Effectively, then we're, we're building up to the the big surprise, aren't we? We've had the oh. battle lines be drawn and, they, uh, and they're scrapping and people are sort of separated to a degree. And there's a lull in the action purposely to allow this moment to happen. And... The first thing I noticed is obviously the crowd are wild anyway, and as they should be because this is this is a fantastic event and this is a fantastic match, and you got some really talented people doing what they do so well. Then the countdown clock comes on, and the crowd go wild for the yeah. countdown clock. It, that that was brilliant. <laughs> that that level of investment is awesome. Yes, and you only normally see it at the Royal Rumble, um, and it was just the anticipation and you know the countdown and then nothing mm. that was so well done wasn't it and then it's... a bit more nothing yeah and the atmosphere are laughing yeah and the crowd a certain section of the crowd starts to boo you can just hear it in the background the slightest of boos starting to ring in and then The pop, that is, I've forgotten just how huge that was. That is one of the best pops in recent years. Probably the last 10 years. So good. It is so good. Uh, and just, I, I think everything, as a viewer sat at home, I mean, in the arena, it's going to be a case of the music hits, you react. That's that's the way it is, because you're there, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? It's, when you're sat at home, I think you get, in this on this occasion, you get a bit more as well, because everyone does so well the undisputed era their facials are perfect they look they're they're laughing oh he's got no one there's no one here and all that sort of stuff then the music hits and they're looking at each other and there's they're not overselling it they're not doing the whole massive open mouth oh my god no no that's all Mm. but they look enough they, they look concerned enough cole is just brilliant in this moment i think absolutely brilliant he's he's a combination of scared and pissed off yeah 
And that's a really hard thing to convey, but he managed it in all fairness to him. And sorry, I'll just break in just one second. Uh, my, just for the audio version, when I listen to it, my brother's had to tap outside because uh, because our niece needs him. Uh, he's gone to see to Liverpool. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. Um, we get a really odd... Well, there's an odd line on commentary around this time from Mauro Ronello, where people are getting bounced around all over the place. And you know, it's, a, it's a car crash, let's be honest. There's so many great moments and so many uh, great spots and stunts and, and so on throughout the duration of this match night. From this moment onwards, it's, it just goes up and up and up and up. At one stage during this, what stood out to me was Ronello saying, it's almost like he's got an idea in his head of the metaphor he wants to, to put across but can't quite get it right. He, he explains that the, the people in this match are currently wishing their bodies were made of the material that smartphone screens are made from, so they won't break. But and I'm just like... screens break quite a lot. Yeah, I'm just like, well, that, what, what What are you on about? <laughs> I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad I didn't hear that, because I was, I was too busy uh, focused on the match or focused on my kebab. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> just, from that wall of sound, though, you get, and it is a wall of sound when he comes mm-hmm. out. It's one of the great NXT moments. You get Kevin Owens hits the ring, and he's beating, you know, beating down all th- <laughs> Sharon. Cole always gives good face. Sharon's put in the in the chat there. Oh, oh dear. dear. And since, yeah. since we're flag, since we're flagging up comments, uh, I'd just like to point out that I refuse to acknowledge uh, Mister Willis's obvious attempt at goading me. Um, yeah, it doesn't even pop in and it doesn't even say hello that he's just, no, I'm, uh, hi, hi lads I'm here just impact sex drops my keepers yeah, just comes in like a, like a troll wanting to oh. shit on the thing that I enjoy but wanting to pick fights Mr Willis really oh dear me <laughs> sorry Dan carry on um, so he's in there he's beating down three members of the Undisputed Era uh, he's pop up power bombs to fish it's a mad shoulder breaker on Kylo O'Reilly. Sl- mm. An overhead sleeper suplex to Strong. I've got that noted down here. Uh, you know, it, it, obviously he, he's got to be in a sleeper, and he suplexes him. And then Mauro Nello describes it as a sleeper suplex, which makes perfect sense because it's a sleeper and a suplex. I get that. I've, I don't <laughs> think I've seen that before. I was like, "What the hell is that?" Obviously, <laughs> a sleeper suplex. But I'm like, "Whoa, what was that?" You know. <laughs> it was incredible. And then he just for good measure, he power bombs Fish onto Kylo O'Reilly. Turns to Cole. Cole's trying to be a slimy shit heel and talk his way out of it. The crowd are chanting, welcome back. Owens does the suck it gesture. Cole gets out of the first stunner and you think, oh God, here we go. You know, the heels are on for, the heels are on to beat him down. But then KO catches the kick, it's a stunner. And it's just, apart from probably Bobby Fish, KO has the, the best entrance into the match. Yeah. It's just absolutely ridiculous. He looks like a star. The, the reaction from the crowd make you feel like he's a star. Just everything, isn't it? Yeah, just absolutely awesome. And then we just get into... <laughs> I hesitate to call it a spot fest because there was, there was a lot of downtime to let you appreciate mm-hmm. what had just gone on. And it all starts with Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic, who for, it's a lot cooler when you call them Keith and Dom. <laughs> <laughs> Keith um, and Dom. The launch Roderick Strong over the, the top rope of the first ring and he somehow descends in time to go through the mid, top and middle rope of the second ring and just take out the the rest of the Undisputed Era. Yeah. Oh, it's mental. I mean, speaking of um, Dom, and that's good because I can't <laughs> pronounce it. I'm just like, Dom, that's what I'm calling it. Uh, that one moment as well, that, and I, it'd be a great camera angle of it, to be fair, that where 
I think it's Carl O'Reilly has uh, has somebody in a uh, some form. I think it's Keith Lee. He has him in some form of a, an ankle lock or some some form of a uh, some oh, form of a leg. It's a grapevine. Yeah, yeah, some form of a leg grapevine. Anyway, and Dom is between the two rings and jumps up and does effectively a springboard moonsault from the ropes of the other ring into the next ring. But we don't get the usual WWE hard cam or, or certain camera angle of it. The camera angle we get is a bit closer, but a bit of a different ang- higher angle. And it just made the move look even better than than, than we're used to, I guess. It was such a great great spot. The, ang- the angle they shot it at, Dijakovic goes to the top of that rope. He needs that extra space so he can complete the rotation. But then because he's moonsaulting towards the camera, he somehow just gets bigger and bigger as he flips. Yeah. It, it was unreal, but that was in the middle of a sequence that saw um, Keith Lee, crossbodied Fish, Strong, Cole, and Dijakovic from the top. <laughs> yeah. Then just after that, Kylo Riley came off the uh, came off the top rope with a knee drop into Keith Lee's knee to set up the Achilles lock, which was then broken up by the springboard moonsault. Yeah. And that was, but we don't know where Bobby Fish came from, but he just landed on Dominic Dijakovic's head mm-hmm. to break up the count. And I'm just, again, it's just that flurry of offense. <sighs> and then they're all down and you just, you've got time to just take stock and just sit there where you go, Bob, like, huh? Yeah. It's insane. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. Um, this is a move as well that we're going to come to next that divides people greatly, I think. Um, Cole hits a Panama Sunrise in between the two rings on the metal framework, and it's it, it that he hits it on Kevin Owens, and they're kind of fighting back and forth for positioning and so on. And eventually, he hits this Panama Sunrise. Now, I understand why it gets a pop because I suppose it looks good and athletically, it's quite quite and visually quite spectacular. However, I'm not a fan of this because this move kind of takes me out of the match a little bit because I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you obviously need so much assistance from the guy you're wrestling. Mm. Yeah, you do. And I think part of the problem is it's been so watered down. When it was Pete Williams hitting a Canadian destroyer to end matches, mm. every once in a while, unreal. Yeah. Just brilliant move. And then it became like the DDT. It's become a transition move. It's it's become just overdone. Yeah. Apart from when, apart, so from, many, apart, from, yeah. apart from when I saw Ricky Morton pop one off when he was about sixty-two. Yeah, that was great. Well, you saw Ricky Morton popping off. Oh, you're gonna be as rude as you like with me. Yeah, Canadian Destroyer. Why? What? Okay, you think right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just you know. Yeah, Canadian Destroyer. Fine. Uh, Sam. <laughs> Simon. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. but, but the thing is with this one it's it's when Kale's trying to get the package pile driver yeah. and I desperately wanted to see Cole get his head driven into that steel by a package pile driver I mean, yeah. even all these years later and I know it didn't happen because I'd have remembered it but well maybe not but there's actual sort of back and forth of them trying to hit the move and even when even when Cole's going up for the Panama Sunrise the first time there's a fight to get Kevin Owens over Mm-hmm. Yeah. At that point, I have less of a problem with it because it actually yeah, looked yeah. like it looked like a physical effort yeah, on, on Cole's part to make it happen. All too often, 
It's just quick flip, looks like a bit of a pile driver, done. Oh, wait, the guy's already stood up anyway, so what was the point? Mm, no, I understand. Yeah. But I don't, well, one thing I don't get, though, we could. Why feels the need to jump off the second rope to go boing, boing, flip? Mm. It, it, all that tells me is that the ring's like a trampoline. And it isn't. No, they're really not. So has he got like Inspector Gadget knees with like electric springs in them or something? And that's how he does it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, who knows? Who I didn't knows? think I'd make an Inspector, Ga- Inspector Gadget reference, to be honest, but there we go. <laughs> Sharon, you've studied Adam Cole's anatomy. Does he have springs in his knees? Yeah. Ask, let us know in chat, Sharon. Let us know in the chat. Um, I suppose moving on quickly then, looking uh, very, very carefully con- keeping an eye on the clock there. We have tables set up galore um, and eventually one by one everyone kind of gets eliminated as cold and champer are kind of fighting in the corner and slowly making their way up the side of the cage everyone else kind of has their moment that effectively writes them off for the finish i suppose dan yeah and i've got the sequence if you want it i've written Please it down carry on yeah so champer and cole up on the top as you said they're having a fight on top of the cage uh Bobby Fish and Roddy Strong have Lee up in the corner, ready for a move through the table. Dajakovic turns up, choke slams Strong through a table that's just got one half set up, and it looks bloody brutal. Oh, that was the way lands because there was some force behind that choke slam. Mm. Looked great, Carlo really unique, wasn't it? Yeah, and just the fact that the table was only like on, up on one side, it just made it look worse. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say more brutal, I should say. Then Kyle gets a triangle on Dijakovic, so he's got triangle choke on it. Uh, Dijakovic powers him up onto the table and Kevin Owens frog splashes Kyle O'Reilly through the table, but also through Dijakovic's arm. Yeah. Effectively taking him out. And the impact of that's obviously taken Owens out as well. And then you get Keith Lee with the spirit bomb on Bobby Fish through the table. So it's just bang, bang, bang. Absolute carnage. We get Champer and Cole, they're still fighting on the top. Champa's finally on top. He's getting him. He's beating him down. He picks him up for an air raid crash oh backwards through off the top of the cage through two tables. And the the timing and the positioning and the awareness of where you are that it takes to do to pull something like that like that off just blew me away. I remember watching it first time again. I watched it with a couple of friends. And we're just, you know, hands on heads, just, what was yeah. that? It was one of those moments where you literally are like, oh, my God, that was, you know, holy yeah. shit is the chant, isn't it? And rightfully so. <laughs> like, uh, you, know, you know, I mean, I'll tell oh, you what gets me as well. I don't like heights, Dan. I, I never have done my whole life. Me and, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but when I'm, when I'm up too high or if I sort of look over the edge of a balcony or something and I don't like it, um, my feet go funny. I go a bit like I feel like my knees like feel like they're made of jelly, and I go a bit wobbly. Okay, my my feet go like they like tingly and funny, and it's it's horrible, you know. Um, when Champa had Cole at the top of the cage and had him in position for the move, nearly, and they were just sort of battling to, to get into position, mm-hmm. and he was grabbing the 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 sort of um, support from the roof that actually span in the position that it was in. And they're trying to get, and you can see the feet of Champa trying to find a, a proper location to, mm-hmm. to to launch from, so to speak. My feet went funny, as though I was <laughs> looking over, just sat here on my bed watching. I was like, Whoa, you know, I did not like it at all. No, I would have, oh, 
There'd have been a brown stain on Adam Cole's shirt if that had been me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we've got a couple of things very briefly in the chat here. Sharon confirming that there are no springs in his knees, but is they are strangely paler than his thighs, apparently. Okay. Oh, and Scottish pubs. Yeah, and Scottish Danny says uh, the chance for a please don't die at one stage, which is brilliant as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's basically the finish. The Champa collapses on top of Cole. We get the three count. His brilliant music hits. End of the match. End of the show. What a contest! Yeah, unreal. Um, <sighs> I'd forgotten how good this match was. I'd like to say I, I saw it come up, won the poll. I knew I'd seen it. I knew it was mm-hmm. good. I've forgotten that it was this good. Oh, oh, totally. I said to Sharon before we put I put this on, I remember this being great, but I'm worried now if I watch it back, it's not going to be as good as my mind makes it out to be because I couldn't remember. Lo- I just remember, oh, this match was good. I can't remember why. So when I put it on and the beginning was, shall we say, a bit slower than the end, obviously, because ultimately they paced it brilliantly. I'm watching the first few minutes and I'm thinking, oh, maybe I have remembered this wrong. But no, absolutely. I mean, we might as well just get straight to it, Dan. Out of 10, our ratings, what are you thinking? Um, it's one of the better War Games matches for me that there's ever been. Okay. And there's maybe a bit of recency bias in that. And obviously, I, I, I like the majority of people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, I've said I have my problems with, with Adam Cole, whatever, he's still very, very good. Um I've seen I've seen better matches. I've seen matches that I prefer, but this for just the the how well it was paced, the ridiculousness of the finish, but that was somehow four crazy table spots, but didn't feel like too much. Yeah, and the the moment of Kevin Owens coming in, it gets a solid eight out of ten for me. Okay, yeah, it's like I said, there are there I reserve very few matches for a ten. Yeah. And it, there's not that many get a nine. So about an eight, if I, on, a, on a generous day, eight and a half. But yeah, solid eight out of 10 easily for this. Really, really loved it. See, there you go, look. For me, you say generous day, eight and a half. I must be feeling generous, mate, because eight and a half is what I've got written down. <laughs> that's, that, that's worrying. I must be part of this like sign mags like hive mind that's developing. <laughs> I mean, for me, the gr- and again, I'm going by memory. You know, I'm going by because I've not watched a lot of this stuff for for a long, long time. So for me, I always go back to the classic war games matches and thinking '92 was the best war games I'd ever seen. Mm. I take the, the the modern war games. I almost have it sectioned away as being a different match because it is different in the original war games you had to you had to quit you had to submit that was it you know and you had the roof on the cage for spots off the top and all that sort of stuff here if you escape the cage you lose that wasn't how it worked in the original war games and there's pinfalls as well but the wrestling's moved on so much so in my head still 92 is one of the best war games i've ever seen but this i love and it's right up there so I think an eight and a half for me is 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 probably yeah probably about right, mate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could, I could easily see why people would give it a ten. Yeah. I can easily see why people would absolutely adore this match and go back to it again and again. Mm-hmm. It is that yeah. good, but like I said, I've got 
I knows what I like and I like what I knows. <laughs> <laughs> Sharon in the chat there saying uh, she can agree with that. Knock two points off because because Cole didn't win. Not when biased at all. We about Cole not winning. You picked it, Sharon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's your, it's your choice. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Uh, there we go. So then, so then, where shall we all head next week? Whether it be me and another guest host. I don't think Magsy is due back just yet. I think we've got another week away. I've got somebody who wants to come on the show. Maybe it'll be a bit of a surprise. We'll see how we go. But where do we go next week? Dan, what is your link from this match to put into the poll for next week? I've actually got a few links uh, between this and the match I want to go to. Okay. Uh, you, you don't, uh, I messaged you beforehand just to get an idea of certain things. You don't do a lot of NXT on chain wrestling. No. So I want to stick to NXT. And I want to stick with NXT TakeOver. And the third link is Kevin Owens. Because in 2015, at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, the very first NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, Kevin Owens took on Finn Balor in a ladder match for the NXT title. Okay. Now, I don't know. I've mentioned this many times. I was lucky enough to be in New York that weekend and attend that event. It was an incredible match, but it wasn't the best match of that night. Because if, okay. if there's other things that... Uh, another thing that uh, I've noticed about chain wrestling is that it tends to be a bit of a sausage fest. So <laughs> I want to go to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2015 and Bailey versus Sasha Banks. What a match that is. Yeah. What a match that is. I, I covered that for a podcast, probably going back about a year ago, maybe. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I'm watching it. And I ended up having to watch it twice because the first time I watched it, I didn't make any notes because I was just engrossed in what they were doing. It was that good. Yeah. I would I, like I said, I was in the arena for that. We'd had um, me and my brother. By the end of the show, we'd been up for about 24 hours with the travel. Got off right. the plane, got to the hotel couple of hours got over to the Barclays Centre and just absolutely blown away by that. And that's the first takeover Brooklyn, isn't it? Is that correct? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. So Bailey versus Sasha Banks from the NXT takeover Brooklyn event. What a shite that is. What a shite. Okay. Uh, Which looks like the match you're going to. Well, I was going to say, it'll surprise absolutely (laughs) nobody that I'm going to put up something from a little bit further back in time <laughs> as my option. <laughs> and the link is very, very straightforward. The link is very, very simple. The link is war games. I'm intrigued now because as I said, I remember war games matches and so on. And I love a war game. Bloody love a war games was what me and Sharon were saying last week. Bloody love a war games. And this was fantastic. I want to see how it compares now to what I loved from back in the day. So I'm going to pick my favorite war games match. From, from what I think is 
the best. I may watch it back and be wrong, but I think War Games 92 is the best of the old school War Games. So I don't see how it compares to what in my mind here is potentially one of the best of the modern day War Games. So 1992 from the Russell War pay-per-view, you have the team of Sting's squadron, which was Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes, Nikita Koloff, Ricky Steamboat and Sting. And they are facing the Dangerous Alliance. And that is Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, Larry Zabisco, Rick Rude and Steve Austin. And on the outside of the ring, you also have Medusa and Paulie Dangerously and all the shenanigans with shoes for weapons and the big mobile phone and <laughs> Medusa at one stage ends up on the top of the cage being chased by Sting and it's just absolute carnage but it is bloody fantastic. Sting Squadron versus the amazing Dangerous Alliance I mean there's a lot of talent in that ring as well Wyndham, Steamboat, Sting Arn Anderson, Rick Rude so much there. I think this is potentially Dan one of the most difficult polls we've had it's a competitive one. I do like that. I rem- now you've given me the lineups. I remember that 92 War Games, and it was really bloody good. Mm. Really good. Really so much talent in, in the match. Just and, and Barry Windham. Hey, Barry Windham. Can't beat a bit of Barry, mate. Can't beat a bit oh. of Barry. What a legend. Barry Windham, Barry Manilow, Barry White. Well, any Barry. Any Barry. Barry, Barry Chuckle. Chuckle. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay then, Dan. So, um, yeah, that's it. That is your choice. Choices. Sorry for next week's poll. We have Bailey versus Sasha Banks at NXT Takeover Brooklyn. Uh, and to me, I, I remember that getting all the stars back in the day as being absolutely fantastic. Or we have Russell War ninety two War Games Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance. As always, you can vote on the poll when it comes out later in the week after the audio version has been released. Um, yeah, so that's that. Thank you to everybody in the chat. It's been fantastic again. Thank you to everybody who's interacted on Twitter and via WhatsApp and everyone else for our non-wrestling topic. Before we depart, Dan, do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you, mate? Because <laughs> I've jinxed you, is that it? What am I supposed to do then? I've said your name. Full name. Oh, Dan Griffin. There you go, that'll do. When we were at school, it was literally just had to say their first name. No, we had to do full names. Oh, you were much more formal where you were from then. Uh, I don't know, I think they just didn't like that on The Simpsons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about uh, wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. Uh, You can hear me on Unbooking the Territory uh, with my co-host UTT Rob going through the first and last of professional wrestling. Uh, You can also hear us on our side project, UTT, uh, Unbooking the Tankatory, which is going through the lives and times and the ups and downs of the career of Tank Abbott. It's a niche within a niche within a niche, but we have a lot of fun. Uh, you can find those on Twitter at UTT Podcast and at UTT Tank, respectively. And you can find me on the Doctor Who pod with the one and only Cy Powell, who's just, damn it, I got it wrong, that way. Yeah, I'll do it time as well. <laughs> wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Um, but, but Cy will give you all the details for that, I'm sure. 
Yes, I will indeed. I will indeed. First of all, Dan, thank you so, so much for stepping in this week, filling in at the hot seat on Chain Wrestling Live. I appreciate you're a very, very busy man with your shows and all the hours you are plying into work. So thank you so, so much for taking the time to sit in this week for us. We've had some brilliant guest co-hosts. Matt Willis, fantastic. Sharon was awesome. You've been brilliant. Uh, hopefully, though, no disrespect to anybody. Hopefully, Mr. Magsy is back very soon. Mags, we love you and we miss you, my friend. Hopefully, everything mm. will be good. Enjoy the last part of your break. And hopefully, we will have you back here very, very soon. It's been an honour keeping his suit, his, his digital seat warm. It really has. Thank you so much for, for having me on for my first live chain wrestling. No, I've enjoyed it, mate. I've enjoyed it. You can find me on Twitter at SJP Words. And if you rather the book of face, there is a group there, SJP, all the shows and info. But in both of those points of contact, you get links to everything I'm involved in. That is the Doctor Who pod, for example, like Dan mentioned, with our good friend here, Mr. Dan Griffin, looking back on old episodes of Doctor Who. That is coming to the end of season one in the next week or two. But it will be repeated in full, the whole of the first full season, via another network. More details on that to come. And season two won't be too far away either. We have the waiting room if time travel is your thing and the Doctor Who pod is not enough for you. The waiting room is looking at Quantum Leap one episode at a time with our good friend Mr. Benny Mack out every Friday. Nitro Nights if wrestling is more your taste with Scottish Danny looking back on WCW from the first episode of Monday Nitro. One episode at a time through all the pay-per-views, the funders, and all the nonsense that came out of that company. And lastly, I suppose, but most importantly, we have Chain Wrestling. Live on a Monday night via Radio Techers and the podcast version later in the week. You can find that show at Chain underscore Wrestling. But again, at SJP Words on Twitter, links to all the stuff I do there. Dan, it has been an absolute bloody pleasure, my friend. I've really enjoyed it. I've got Absolutely, I'm, I'm really glad I, I actually managed to to get to do this. It was it was a little bit touch and go over the weekend, as you know, with the, with certain things that happened. Yeah, but it's been a great time and a much needed, um, a much needed sort of blowout and good time at the at the start of a difficult week. Great stuff. Thank you again for doing it, mate. It's, I cannot put into words how much I've appreciated yourself, Sharon, Matt, Willis stepping in. It's been awesome. It's been awesome. But again, Magsy, we love you. We miss you. Hopefully, you'll be back very soon. I'm off now to go and jump off my sofa to see if I've got springs in my knees and if I can bounce and flip around just like Adam Cole to try and impress my wife. I'll speak to you all again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>